0: Welcome to Leadership is the Conversation, a discussion among business executives on management and leadership topics. Today on our panel, we have in the studio, Ron Kripe and Tom Meyer of Equus Consulting. And on the phone, Equus' founding member, Jim Dixon. Our panel has over 100 years combined experience in management and leadership development. And I'm your host, Rick Ainsworth. Each week, we look for leadership topics for discussion that will help you along your path to leadership development and fulfillment. Tom was working with a client the other day who lamented, I seem to be struggling with the same development issues over and over again. I can't seem to find that breakout point. Tom, how do you help that client overcome that sort of Groundhog Day experience? Sure. Uh
1: Sure. they're probably already at the first step, which is recognizing that they've got the issue coming up over and over and over again. And believe it or not, that can be, at least in a coaching conversation, a, a breakthrough point. Because even when a problem shows up over and over and over again, it doesn't likely show up exactly the same way. So you'll see patterns or trends or themes more easily than you'll see you know, the exact same problem. So what I would say to that person is, you know, let's dig into this. You know, what are you seeing? When has this shown up before? How often does this show up? And are we, most important problem uh, problem to solve is, um, are we hovering over the right issue? Um, The biggest indication to me that somebody's probably... Ripe for looking at this a different way is you know it it has come up over and over and over again. So let's let's figure out if we're solving the right issue. So is it
0: is it really an issue or is it a symptom you're dealing with?
1: It's a good point. Nine times out of ten, it's probably a symptom. Years ago, I had a a million dollar producer, high level salesperson, and and the issue that was cropping up again and again and again for him and for everybody he was working with was this uh, challenge that he had working with people inside the organization. So the way the pr- the problem presented itself was, hey, I've, I, it came to me through the CEO, and he's like, I've got this million-dollar producer that can sell like the wind. But he is destroying relationships inside the organization. Um, and, and he's running roughshod over the people that are trying to deliver the products he's trying to sell to the extent that we've had you know, lots and lots of complaints and issues. And if we can't get those complaints and issues resolved, I can't justify the sales that he's making because it's it's counterproductive. So we, we've got to find a way to fix this. So I dug in with the, um, with the person, the salesperson, and we had a series of conversations. And, and I'll tell you, it boiled down to kind of core belief that this person had about whether or not he needed to play nice with people inside the organization. So I said, hey, look, I know you know how to do this. I know you know how to form relationships and you know, and, and move things forward. You do that with the people you sell to all day long. Why is that not, why can you not translate that level of civility to the people that are your peers and your colleagues inside the organization? And in a moment of just complete clarity, he said, because I shouldn't have to. I should not have to play nice inside and outside the organization. I'm, I'm selling. That's what you pay me to do. You pay me to bring home these sales and close these sales. Why then do I have to kiss up inside the organization just to get these things delivered? And, we, and so that became the starting place for our conversation, and I helped him explore why that was necessary. Yes, it is necessary. You do need to be able to play nice with people inside the organization. It's not
0: enough just to sell. How do we become self, more self-aware?
2: That's why I'm a firm proponent of some sort of instruments that will help you assess how you're showing up because it's all well and good to sit down and kind of be introspective, but maybe you're introspective about the wrong things. Maybe there are some things that are showing up that you didn't even know. I mean, it's like a blind side. Well, various instruments like 360s and that type of thing will enable us to see things that, that mm-hmm. other people mm-hmm. are seeing. I mean, I had a client one time that after a 360, Uh, we were talking about the results. He just vehemently said, no, this one, this is not me. This is not me. And I said, okay, well, everybody, your boss, your peers, your subordinates, uh, everybody says it is you. um, But you're saying it isn't you, right? And he goes, yeah, that's not me. That's not me at all. I said, okay, you just need to do me a favor. Go home and talk to your wife. (laughs) Ask your wife if it's you. And, he, he did. He went home. He called me the next day and he said, oh, my God, you're a genius. He said, she said, most definitely that's you. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> oh, God, no. <laughs> so, so you yeah. can – you have a place to start with development. You know, it's like, okay, I recognize and the world around me is recognizing this is a problem. Let's help fix that problem.
1: You know, I think there are a couple of things that, that don't set us up well. Right. For, for that kind of reflection. First of all, you've got layers of ego defenses for most of us. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah. I, I don't care who you are. You, you, the, the, taking in feedback about what you're not doing well is never an easy conversation to have at the very start. Then on top of that, you've got, um, if you're higher in the organization and, and you've got a lot of people that are reporting to you, you move into what I consider to be the leadership vacuum. Meaning, people aren't going to tell you exactly what they think, and they're and they're sure as heck not going to give you feedback about yeah. you, the, your ineffectiveness as a leader if giving you that feedback is going to put them on the outs with right. you, and and result even perceptively by them as some sort of you know recrimination right. or 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 blowback. So you know, between your own ego defenses and the and the lack of willingness for people to step up to the plate and give you that kind of feedback as a leader, you've got a perfect recipe for flying blind sure. through the leadership sure. space. I mean, you, you you have no idea what you're working with, and if you, you know, one of the things obviously that that Jim and I both are huge advocates of is get yourself a coach, get yourself someone that can have that conversation with you. Jim and I, in both in different circumstances, gone inside an organization and conducted conversational three sixties with leadership, right. direct reports yeah, and I so think that you're we, right. so that we can right. f- give them that feedback in a safe way. Right. I think
2: you're right about that. There is an ego component well, with self-reflection and the, uh, since we're, we're little kids, and that is we don't like to be bad at something we don't want to be you know hey i'm not very good at this well in a way that language really doesn't work it's not like that you're not good at it it's just like you're not meeting the expectation right now right. like you know i may be okay at this i'm okay at uh, organization or whatever it might be but if it takes a higher level of that, I'm not meeting the expectation, even though I have yeah.
0: So, I, a, a thought just occurred to me. Um, one of the things you know, we were talking about. You know, the ego gets involved here. The you know, we have a hard time talking with our, uh, to ourselves about some of our maybe shortcomings. And you both have mentioned um, a couple of instruments, the, the 360, and I know you guys have worked. Hogan, Strong Inventory, Myers-Briggs. I mean, Equus Consulting is certified in several different instruments like this. It seems to me that the assessment instrument takes out that ego part and, and gives you a tool to help someone assess their strengths and weaknesses apart from that whole ego centric type discussion and have the ability to, to hone in ron i'm going to get you involved in this conversation here because you seem to be the, one of the people who who has studied the different um, assessments over time talk to me a little bit about some of those assessments the th- i think both tom and jim uh, mentioned the The 360, what exactly does that 360, and what does it do?
3: The 360 is a multi-rater feedback instrument. So in most cases, you're getting feedback from your boss, your direct reports. You may choose to include people from your peer group, your customers, and any other uh, group that you would like to get feedback from. The important part of it is that you also complete the assessment yourself. So when we get into the um, feedback sessions, it uh, sets us up for a really interesting conversation. Uh, We can look at how you're showing up among different rater groups. So, for instance, you may show up one way uh, with your boss, uh, but with your employees, your direct reports, uh, you're showing up in a different way. And uh, why is that? So that's where we get into really some interesting conversations around those differences. So that's the 360. The other instrument that we've been talking about is the Hogan. The Hogan is a self-assessment instrument only, and it measures your values. It also measures how you show up under pressure, and it also measures how you show up when things are going really well. Uh, We use that instrument uh, as a baseline for our executive coaching. And uh, Jim and Tom may want to speak more about the differences between the uh, two assessments we've been talking about.
1: Yeah, the... um uh, there are two instruments that we use kind of as a baseline. And they're different uh, because they measure different things. Uh, the 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 360, any 360 is probably going to be driven by having other people assess your competencies, those behavioral attributes of your leadership style. How quickly do you make decisions? How, um, what's the quality of the decisions you make? How action-oriented are you? How do you resolve conflict? I mean – some of those things that that are more observable and more behavioral. Those are the things we would want to measure with the 360 because it's an outside-in right. perspective. And again, it keeps – because it's so behavioral, it keeps um, a level of being too personal out of it. The Hogan, on the other hand, doesn't measure behaviors as much as it measures – attributes of your leadership style. That's way more personal Mm -hmm. and way more difficult to get at. So we don't have outside in perspectives on that. The the Hogan is constructed as um, kind of you get outside in feedback, but you're the only one that answers it, which is why I, you know, Jim and I both lean into that heavily when we're doing executive leadership coaching. Because sometimes the last thing we want to do is say to an executive leader, "Okay, go go survey your direct reports, <laughs> go talk to those people that, you know, cause you're going to get one set, one, one set of responses. If they love you, you're going to get another mm-hmm. set of responses if they don't. Right. Um, so I, there are I a think, lot of different ways to get at that kind of outside in perspective.
2: And I think that uh, also it depends on what you really want to seek out. Like for example, if you wanted to seek out the perception that other people have of this quote unquote right. leader, you would go the route of a 360. If you're trying to explore the values, the value system of an individual, you would go the Hogan route because it is exploring what is most valuable and what does this person look like in good times and what does this person look like in bad times? So it all depends on where the conversation is headed. Like, where do you want the conversation to go? Reception or internal? Well, then, if anything, it, it gives you a a baseline to have a good and legitimate conversation because, you know, leadership is a conversation. So what is the baseline for this conversation?
1: And just to just to wrap, um, you know, kind of this this portion of it. The reason we all use those tools is, again, to get past the blocks and uh, the blocking and tackling that either you have from an ego standpoint internally or um, that that you would be up against structurally within the organization of not wanting to put your folks in the position of having that conversation with you one on one over a cup of coffee. You know, when we do three sixties, they're anonymous three sixties. Right. So you try to you try to throw as many tools into the conversation as you can to get the executive or or get the person that's receiving the feedback into a position of being receptive.
0: Right. Great. I mean, when I listen to you guys, I mean, this is all part of what I would probably call the exploration phase of what we do, you know, exploring with a client, you know, not just what the symptomatic issue that they're dealing with, but starting to, as you say, Tom, peel that onion and get back to um, evaluating what that problem really is. Great. I appreciate the conversation. Great conversation today as we discuss the exploration phase. As always, we invite you to join in the conversation by visiting our website at www.equisconsulting.com and leaving your comments. Join us next time as we continue our leadership discussion.